Welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hewn. Our mission is to help you gain your freedom from the exhausting, never-ending corporate rat race. Because time is our most valuable asset. And life's just too short to do work we hate. Thanks for slowing down. Welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast, everyone. Today, my guest is Tak Maida. Um, now, Tak uh, has spent his career thus far uh, helping startups in the marketing department, specifically in the tech industry. And now what he's doing is he has a side business where he's taken all the skills that he's learned in marketing and using that to help founders and solopreneurs to just build a more engaging presence on social media, create content that kind of pops is, is the way you put it, Tack. I've certainly been happy with his work. He's been producing videos for me, educational videos, as well as trailers for this podcast. So I'm really excited to have you on here today, Tack, and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Thank you, Brian, and I look forward to editing my own podcast trailer. Uh, yeah, my name is Tak. I'm Japanese-Canadian. I'm living in Canada right now, and yeah, I spent a good amount of time marketing for startups, and I think I, I like to bring a lot of uh, philosophies that are not just related to marketing, but affect business and life as a whole, just to make work and the business that we build and the impact that we have on the world just more interesting and more meaningful than just... Um, a transaction for cash. So, Amen, man. You're preaching to the choir here at this podcast. <laughs> um, so I want to begin, Tack, with the book. You, you wrote a book called 101 Chaotic Branding Principles of the Greats. And I've you know looked through this book a little bit, and there was one quote in the intro um, that just really stood out to me. And I, I want to read that for the listener. And it says, those who don't act now disrespect time as they disregard the fact that they can die tomorrow. They disrespect their ancestors who lived much harder lives to continue the genetic legacy. And here they are throwing it away. God created the universe and humankind has evolved it to a state where it's the most convenient and safe time in human history. Yet many choose to do nothing. So that's a pretty powerful uh, uh, excerpt there when you start to break it down and, and think about that a little bit. So can you just tell us a little bit more about your perspective and expand on that a little bit, Tack? For sure. Yeah. So the context for the viewers, the context of the book itself, but also that quote is it's, it's a book about personal branding or uh, small business branding as well. And the idea of that is really just getting your the messages that you want out in the world, the things that you want to say out in the world. And the reason why something like time becomes a very important factor to that is that time is kind of like, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like a mirage, like the future, sorry, the past is a memory and the future is a mirage. Of course, in industries like financial planning, we like to you know, think that the future, we might want to think that the future lasts forever. Like we live until 80, that's a guaranteed, but no, we can easily just get hit by a truck tomorrow and die. So like, um, I think the reason why it's important to understand that and to objectively look at the landscape of your life and understand that you have a, even if it's a small, very small percentage of, you know, not being here tomorrow. Uh, I think it's important to put that, to put life in perspective and the reason why i say disrespect time is that you can't it's in a weird way you kind of have to balance 
the life the, the life you have and you have to balance the fact that you know you actually might this the things you say today might actually be the last things you say and the things you do might today might be the last things that you actually do even if it's a small very small percentage of it happening you have to kind of treat it with such respect right like there's things that are finite and dangerous or things like that also command respect like a gun for example or a knife like you have to treat a gun or a knife with some kind of respect because you know it can cause some serious effects well so does time right you have to treat time with a certain amount of respect as well because it's not necessarily forever so um i think that and so where that kind of goes into the most convenient times and ancestors it's like i think that sometimes in our world when we're so far divorced from the ways that humans have lived for their entire lives you know like barely making you know uh, barely make uh finding enough food to eat and feed their families and then like barely finding you know a person to reproduce with and barely being able to survive but the fact that we've made it here like if you're watching this and it's 2024 or if you're watching in the future and it's 2028 or something like i'm not sure how far back our human lineage goes like our genetic lineage goes but it's fair to say that our human genetics goes back like thousands and thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of years so when you kind of like imagine that like just imagine like ten thousand years let's just call it ten thousand years of life all in a continuous unbroken line and all those years are way way harder than what we've ever experienced in our personal lives right and then we're here in 2024 in a very convenient and safe and and accessible world I think we have to kind of i think we have a duty to our ancestors to maybe take the same challenges same type of approach to the challenges that they had in their lives thrown and take that same energy and just be be who we're truly meant to be if that doesn't sound too corny so this concept of um, respecting time and valuing time you know i feel the same way but i didn't always feel this way like it took some major turmoil in my life to really open up my eyes to this concept. So what do you think brought this out of you? Is this something that you've always felt like, like was this instilled in you as a child or, or how did this come about within you? Yeah. Like in, when I was like a, like a, in my late teens, like around the university age, like I went through a big phase where I just like really just dove deep into a lot of self-improvement concepts, you know, philosophical concepts, things like that. And also, one thing I do is I just like think about, I just kind of like think of, think a lot more deeply about a lot of like just stuff, like everyday stuff. I actually analyze like a lot of daily stuff. So, um, you know, something that everyone just might take for granted or ignore. Like I, I'm the weird guy who just goes like 10 levels deep on that. And <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's, you want to know something funny about time that I've analyzed? Brian, what is time? Like life is time, right? Life is not money. Life is actually time. But what is time? You want to know what time is? Time is the amount of time that your cells in your body allow you to live and like stay conscious. Like that's kind of crazy, right? And like one thing interesting is like your body's just an intricate system of so many different, you know, organs and systems and stuff like that. But one of them fails your entire body fails, right? Imagine like if your liver fails, if your liver fails, your whole body fails, even though your brain and your heart and your bones are working properly or if your heart stops and even if your brain is working fine or your legs are working fine, like 
whole system collapses. So what, and it's also, it's like, and the human body, it's kind of magical that the human body can live till like, you know, 80 years old or 90 years old or whatever, but it's also the most, it's also extremely fragile, right? Like sometimes I think about it because it's like, you know, I'm working so hard in my life, you're working hard in your life and things like that. Um, and we can do that for 80 something years and you know have a lot of kids, have a lot of money and all that stuff. But also we can also get hit by a car tomorrow and the entire body system collapses. So I think that's also what I mean by like respect time. Like, yeah, like just understand reality for exactly what it is. And yeah. Um, no, I think, I think I've always kind of known it or at least, at least like I'm 25 now. So at least I've known it for you know, five or seven years. So maybe it has that many five or seven years to kind of just marinate and digest and look forward to, look forward to a lot of things. So, yeah. So I think a lot of people hear what you're saying tech and and the reason i say this is because this is the way that i used to think is they think yes you know i could get hit by a car today but it's such a low probability event you know most people are going to live to 65 70 whatever the average age is and if i live a pretty healthy life then i'm going to live longer than that and so there's no real incentive to you know respect time and live your life in such a manner so um what do you say to those people yeah um it's something i think about a lot because there are things that just logically make sense but may not hit us and i think that there's a difference between understanding something emotionally like at a deep emotional level where you internalize it versus just knowing things you know uh, logically with the head and i think it honestly just comes down to how do you learn best like how do you emotionally learn best like you know like we have you know every we spent 12 16 years of our lives being in front of a teacher where they just talk and talk and talk at us and goes one in one year and out the other some of it stays but like and that's head knowledge right but how does it stay inside how does it really become something internalized and i think that's something that each person kind of needs to figure out for themselves i can say that once i understand something that, that makes like perfect logical sense like i'm basically in like that's just how i learn and i'm sure you as a financial advisor probably have um taught right? i've gone through a lot of different people's learning styles because you know the things that people need to do with their finances are pretty logical and straightforward for the most part right but there's also a lot of emotional hurdles that people need to jump through so um yeah like well, hopefully it doesn't take a traumatic event for someone to know that you know life is finite and 80 years old is not guaranteed but yeah however people get to that um, i wish them well yeah and i don't know why i'm thinking of it this way but i feel like on this issue, there's almost like a defensive perspective and an offensive perspective. And I think most people think of it in the defensive way where it's like this bad event could happen to me. Therefore, I need to defend myself against it and make sure that I'm making you know the time that I have here count. And I think that's where people say it's not going to happen. Like I'm going to live a long time. But if you think about it in an offensive way, like I may only have you know, a certain amount of time left. Like when I went through cancer, I started thinking like, what if I only have 10 years left and I'll probably live way longer than that. But right now, as I'm living my life, as if I only have 10 years left, I'm making so much more of an impact. I'm happier. I'm more productive. I'm growing a business, like all these things. So like, it can be a great offensive mindset to think that way as well. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. And as you're saying that something just like an analogy just clicked into mind so much, but like, I'm, I'm a huge like fight fan. I love the UFC. I trade Muay Thai and stuff, but it's like 
you have to be both simultaneously defensive and offensive. If you're just defensive, like if you're just covering up, the person is just going to unload on you and there's nothing for you to do. But if you're just offensive, then you can get clipped very easily. But the best kind of strategy, just just general meta, I'm not a fight coach by any stretch of the means, is is to be offensive while defensive. Like for a random example, like the first uh, punch you learn is a jab, right? You throw your fist out here, but you also have, but they also say just as important as it is to like throw this, you also have to defend that, right? As a counter, bang, something like that. And you can take that same philosophy to your life, right? It's like, yeah, you can be just defensive in the way that you live your life. Yeah, oh, oh, I'm, I'm going to die soon, so I have to do everything I have to protect it all. Or I'm going to die, so I can I should just do what I want to do, and I should figure out how to make my time here count. So I think it's, def- it's, not, it's definitely not mutually exclusive. It's not one or the other. It's a good balance of, of both, both mindsets, for sure. Yeah. Offense and defense. For yeah. sure. I like that. I like that. Um, so on the topic of our time is finite, um, we're not going to be here forever. One thing that, you know, I think about often is legacy. And one of the things that I really like in your book is how you, um, talk about how legacy, you know, essentially is just your personal brand or, or they're the two like kind of tie into each other very tightly because as I was telling you before we hit record, like in the financial industry, like everybody's been so brainwashed to think about legacy simply in terms of like the amount of money you're leaving behind to your heirs. When like I think about my legacy, it's more about what am I doing while I'm here? What is the impact I'm creating? And like when this podcast and content that I'm putting out there, this is all like stuff that's going to be out there and my kids can see and like know who I was and what I was all about. And, and like, that's legacy to me. So I found that to be really interesting. So can you tell us a little bit more about your perspectives on how legacy and personal branding go together? 100%. Um, and I think personal branding it might sound like a very vague term, but if you were to just define it in a very simple term, it's just the relationships you have with other people. And the reason why you have to kind of distinguish between personal brand and relationships is because with personal brand, you take it on the internet, you take it in, you know, in a marketing sense where you, you might be interacting with people that you've never met and it's more like one to many than one to one, but effectively personal brand is relationships. So when you kind of think about that, it's like, what's more important, the relationships you have with people or, the money and 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 other you know possessions that you might have and i think anyone can answer that quite confidently it's relationships for example um i'm sure that one of the most uh top one of the most like uh sought after topics that you get in your financial industry is legacy with kids right is that correct like legacy with kids legacy with family all that stuff great yeah so i think it's like when you when you pass and you pass away and you know you leave a legacy for your kids. I think that the thing that matters most to your kids isn't necessarily how much inheritance that you leave them, although that's probably a good thing too. But it's like, what are the memories um, you bring with them? What are the teachings and what are the lessons that you've that you've handed down to your kids? So if you kind of just take that core concept and extrapolate that to you know friends, coworkers, uh, people in your social media square, et cetera, um, I think that, I think that, your legacy truly is just the impact and the relate the relationships that you've ended up having with people. I think that that's probably the best way to define it. If you can help them in certain areas, like, you know, for example, like there's many authors that are dead now, but I read their book and, 
and they've they've just made an impact on my life, whether it's business, personal, et cetera. And now their legacy lives on through me because I have forged that relationship, even if they have never met me and even if they've been in the grave long before I have been alive. So I think that that's kind of what I mean when I say personal brand equals um, legacy. It's like relationships equals legacy. Yes. Okay. So as you were putting together the book, chaotic branding principles is kind of the overarching theme, right? So you've studied a lot of chaotic thinkers throughout history. And I think one of the things that makes the most successful entrepreneurs is the the ability to, you know, disrupt and do things differently, but also to get others to view things differently the way that you do. So what are some common parallels that you've seen as you've studied all these figures, these historical figures? For sure. Yeah. Um, so I define chaotic as just a willingness to break social norms if they don't make sense. And I think that kind of ties into everything else, right? Like one great example is like Steve Jobs. Um, he, he might not be the most, you know, charismatic, you know, figure when it comes to him as a person, but his work is definitely chaotic and has, is really against the grain. Like Steve Jobs way before he launched iPhone said, you know, he's going to have like he's going to put a supercomputer in every person's hand or something along those lines. That was crazy. Like that was just crazy. A phone was like, you know, one of those like flip phones you type with the nine little digits <laughs> on it. And like, you had to hit like, uh, like the, the number six, three times if you wanted to K and things like that. Right? It was just, yeah. Like it was just like, Oh, you call and you maybe can text. Like, even texting was kind of revolutionary. Steve jobs was like, nah, we're going to put a supercomputer in your hands. That's crazy. Like that's crazy. Like that. Even that. Like I don't know when that was. Nineteen nineties, two thousand, early two thousands. That's crazy, right? And then he did it, and then he was like, "Oh, now you know BlackBerry. You know all these, all these uh, other smartphones. They have keyboards. You know what? No keyboards. Just whoa. Like like that's a social norm. Was we have keyboards? Social norm. Steve Jobs was like, "What if we didn't?" And I think one thing that all the uh, chaotic greats of of all time have is that they challenged they didn't challenge the symptoms they challenged the first principles that affect symptoms which is like um like you know the, all these things happen because of this what if we change this not this this right so uh like I know that was a good example uh steve jobs there's there's just so many to to name but yeah i think that um a, a common theme is that they're unafraid to challenge the assumptions that everyone just automatically has. And I think that we can all take that in our own social lives too. We don't have to create an iPhone with, you know, a, a touchscreen or anything like that, but we can definitely challenge the first principles that we all just kind of uh, live by and to go with that. So what's interesting about social norm is that a social norm only exists because everybody else does it, right? It's not like a social norm is like a law Right? There's like laws of, you know, the government laws, there's laws of human nature, but then there's also just like this weird little bubble of like made up laws that we kind of just follow, but kind of don't, or, and we, sorry, we, we all do follow, but we all kind of don't know why. And the only reason why we do is because our mom did it, because our dad did it, our friends did it, but what if we didn't, right? Um, let me think of an example I put in the book is like the, the, the old, maybe it doesn't apply so much now, but in the past it was like never ask a man his salary and 
never uh, ask a woman her age or something like that. And the reason why um, the reason why that was, it's not like that's a law. Like there's no government of Canada, government of the United States law that says don't ever ask a man about his salary. Or there's nothing human biology wise that where that's a law. Like you have to drink water, right? But it, everyone just did it, and one reason why. Or I think, and then once you kind of challenge the first principle of why you uh, do it, you kind of realize that, oh yeah, like, okay, a man's salary and a woman's age is directly, you know, proportional to, or directly impacting their, you know, sexual status. And therefore you don't want to challenge that. Okay, fine. But once you understand that first principle, not like the symptoms, right? But the first principle, then you can figure out if you want to actually change it or not. So. No, that's, that's good perspective. Um, it's important to just always ask why, like if you see something, ask, why is it done that way? And I think we would all benefit from thinking in that manner. Um, you know, and I can't help but think, uh, you and you and I met on social media on LinkedIn and in the modern world that we're in these days, um, you're not going to be able to grow a successful business unless you have a social media presence where, you know, you stand out from the crowd. Heck, even if you're an employee, I don't think you're going to have that successful of a career if you don't figure out a way to kind of stand out. Because I honestly think like we'll get to a point where resumes just go away and people just look at your LinkedIn profile as to whether or not they're going to hire you. So, you know, when you go on social media every day and you talk about social norms, like you see it, everybody's kind of doing the same thing and following the same strategies. And so how do you use that um, when you're helping clients to stand out on social media? The first thing I look for in terms of clients, so what I do is I help social media uh, founder, founders and small social media teams uh, on any platform, LinkedIn, Instagram, et cetera. Uh, I help them stand out by creating entertainment, entertaining, hilarious, engaging content. And the first thing I look for, to be honest, is like the, 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 the DNA of the founder right? Is, is the founder or like when I'm doing prospecting, for example, like sometimes I'll send them, you know, a custom meme or, or a custom graphic, but it's like the way that they respond to it and the way that they even do their own social media marketing is like, are they a person who actually wants to stand out? That's actually number one. Like uh, before, before any of the tactical pieces, it's like, do you even, do you want to stand out? Like, do you want to actually be like, oh, like I, like look at me, like I want to stand out from the pack or are you just kind of like going to tower away? Um, so that's, I think that's the most important. It's like, it's more of a mindset, a philosophical thing of like, do you want to stand out? Why do you want to stand out? Um, mm-hmm. And things like that. And then if they do, great. Um, then I kind of, what I do is I take, especially on, especially on a platform like LinkedIn, where it's so like, where it's still businessy, it still has like a corporate feel. I take a lot of the concepts that work in other social media uh realms i suppose and uh, communities and then apply them to linkedin for example memes are something i'm very very known for in the linkedin sphere um everyone shares memes everyone already likes memes on instagram and tiktok and uh, facebook and stuff but no one no one really uses them in their corporate branding that that effectively so it's like oh well it works here and if someone's willing to do it on linkedin for their business then we can do it um same thing with videos for example um you know uh, youtubers have basically perfected the art of making engaging, entertaining, entertaining videos, adding things like music, subtitles, you know, B-roll, uh, little Zoom cuts here and there, uh, adding, like taking off some of the fluff that, uh, like that could reduce retention. And then I just take that, put it into a business context and through, just through using all these tactics, they can stand out. But I think what's most important is that 
the founder or the head marketer, for example, just wants, actually has the desire to stand up. Totally, totally. So, um, but for the people who do want to stand out, I'm curious, what are some things like some social norms that you see on social media right now with how people are branding that you think should be challenged from this first principle standpoint? Let's see, should be challenged. Um, inter, uh, entertainment or emphasizing entertainment or engage, like in, being interesting. Um, I think that marketers have a unique role in business to grab attention. I don't think that there's any other role, any other function that, whether it's you know finances, whether it's operations, whether it's accounting, whether it's sales, whether it's whatever, that just has a unique responsibility to get attention. Uh, if you know about the marketing kind of see like the funnel, it goes, it's AIDA, attention, interest, desire, and action, but you can't do, you can't go, you can't get the stuff in the bottom if you don't get to the stuff in the top. And I think at the top is attention. So um, a business collapses without attention. So uh, I think that one social norm I would definitely encourage. So uh, any, any business owner, founder, social media team on uh, social media is to see how how you can be more entertaining because you're competing not only with all the other people in your niche or not even just all the other people on the same platform from other niches, but you're also competing with things like YouTubers, you're competing with Netflix, you're competing with Disney Plus, you're competing with the Super Bowl, all these things for your customer's attention, right? The attention only goes somewhere. And a, a kind of a disadvantage that business has is that it's not inherently interesting. You kind of you kind of get what I'm saying where it's like uh, you, you have to compete with like, right, I have my phone here, okay? I'm, let's just say I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on my phone, but I have my computer here, I have my TV here, you know, uh, I have my roommates over there. Like I'm, there, there's only one place where my attention can go, which should be here, which should be on your, uh, on the LinkedIn or on, on the business social media. But, uh, but there's so many ways that attention can go. And I think that businesses, because they're, they're not necessarily interesting in and of itself, I think they, they have to really do what they can to at least be on par with all the other things that can grab their attention. So yeah, I think that's one social media, uh, one uh, social norm I would definitely challenge entrepreneurs to kind of think about. And, and to your point earlier about, um, you know, challenging and asking why something is the way it is, you could ask yourself like, okay, why is business not fun? Why is work just boring? You know, that doesn't have to be the case. You know, I, I, with finance, you know, you, you see a lot of people out there that talk about, we were, we were just talking about with the educational videos that I've been putting together. A lot of people in my industry would like to put out educational stuff about like, this is how a Roth IRA works, or this is how the tax code works. And like, that's really boring stuff. But if you can think of like, okay, what are some common perceptions that people have that are pretty universally accepted and then break those down and say why that might not be the way to think about it. Well, now you're taking business and making it more interesting. You know, it doesn't have to be boring. So again, to your point of challenging from a first principle standpoint. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like even something as like as plain as the tax code or a Roth IRA, like you can definitely find ways that it doesn't have to be super crazy like like as like like you know all these chaotic youtubers are but i think that there are ways that you can you know plant stories plant narratives challenge assumptions um you know like leave little nuggets of uh, wisdom and 
and also just even speak in a way that isn't so like this is what our world already is but it's more like you can elevate your the way you speak but but while keeping true to your core business intentions of educating of you know educating them about maybe maybe boring topics but yeah like i think that especially on social media if businesses took an engaging entertainment first kind of uh, of of um of mind and then they found a way to implement their business knowledge and the messaging and all that stuff versus the other way around i think that could be a very big game changer to anyone who wants to do it once again wants to do it because i can tell you like uh, wanted to stand out it requires you know you be be alone you know be kind of face your own nerves uh, maybe be the first one to take all the bullets of judgment all that stuff but if you want to do that and you can think about like really coming from an entertainment engaging you know interesting standpoint first in your business well well, don't yeah you're gonna get too many customers to handle so good luck to you (laughs) yeah (laughs) well yeah i think at the end of the day um humans that are scrolling on social media or viewing whatever content you're putting out there, want to connect with other humans. And, you know, we talked earlier about how branding is, um, you know, personal brand is kind of the relationships. So we got to think of it that way. Like historically there's been this separation of life and work. We got to like get rid of that distinction and say, Hey, it's all life. Like I'm a human doing something to help other humans and this is my business. And that just makes it a little bit more interesting and compelling. This is something I've been telling everyone who would listen in the past, and a lot of people are my age, so they may not get it, but like I've been telling people, like, yeah, like the idea of work and like like compartmentalizing work and life is kind of strange because it's all one experience. Like I call it one life. Like it's literally just one experience. Like, like, like sure, it might help to compartmentalize certain things to just make it fit easier in your mind, but like it's all one experience and we're not that different from like, maybe we try to be different in work. Sure. But like, we're not, we're just one person. Like it's all, we're all having one, ex- you like continuous experience, not like one part work, one part life. So. So another thing that I found interesting in your book was um, this idea about how marketing and self-improvement are really tied to one another. Can you explain that a little bit more? This definitely applies the smaller your marketing is and, the more personal it is. So this might not necessarily apply if you know you're a senior regional marketer at IBM that has you know two million employees. But if you're like a solopreneur, if you're a founder, or if you have a smaller team, this is right down your alley. So really, like marketing, especially if you're the face of your business and any company that's one one person or even less than you know twenties usually like the founder is usually like the key figurehead of your company, unless you're Elon Musk and you run Tesla and SpaceX and Twitter. But um, I think what's what's important to understand about that is that once again, going back to the idea of that personal brand is your relationships, right? And how do you get better at the relationships in your life? Well, you, you know, you become, you, you take, you, you, you learn things, you learn like new things, you learn mindsets and other like ways to be a better partner or be a better better friend and things like that but that same type of thinking also applies to how do you like how is your relationship with your um with your with your audience with the people who choose to follow you who choose to give you attention i think that there's 
uh, the, like a concrete example for that is like, you know, what if you, what if you went from a person who just talked about the facts, like the X's and O's of your business, to someone who maybe tells stories or tells shares interesting insights about it? That's actually a self improvement thing to go from someone who just talks about like the logical parts of your business, like this is what a Roth IRA is, to like, hey, this is the one time where one of my clients didn't create a Roth IRA and it, it you know, messed them up. That's even that small uh, improvement is a self-improvement thing of its own. And it's not so much that your content improved. It's you improved. You went from a person who only was comfortable talking about the X's and O's of your business to someone who is more comfortable telling stories. Like, right. You can take that same mindset and keep jumping from, just keep climbing the ladder of, of self-improvement in that sense. You can, you know, start to try to, Put yourself out there and be funnier. You can put your face on video for the first time. You can all this stuff where it's like through the process of marketing your your business, yourself, etc. You also become better, like a more improved version of yourself, and and it's really cool when that happens in public because yeah, I think that your relationships can you can you can generate thousands of relationships at once when you do it in public. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board with, with all of what you're saying there. Um, you know, I get so frustrated with, you know, the historical way of doing business where it's just like hustle, 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 you know, quantity, talk to as many people, you know, like if you send out this many cold emails, this many people reply, that will lead to this many discovery calls. And that will lead to this many new relationships and it's just this massive quantity game and it's like just increase your value like it's never been easier to put your value on display so get better increase your value and make sure people are aware of it 100 percent. that's that's corporate math for you there like x amount of <laughs> discovery oh my god yeah as a former salesperson i know all about corporate math what's yeah i think i think there's honestly just a divide between like it's kind of like when people say like oh come go back to being human, right? There's kind of like, there's kind of like two somewhat mutually exclusive like plays running at once. One is the corporate play, which is like, you know, to be a corp, like a corporation, like like you're just going to need to be as like, like quantity oriented, as mathematically oriented as possible, systems oriented as possible to be a successful corporation, but to be a successful, you know, wealthy, happy person, those values might not align. So I think that, even me, like I've, I lucked out in working for startups in my, in, in my, in, in my internships during university, but I kept only applying to startups, startups because I wanted to keep that human element in my life. Mm. And I help founders and small social media teams because once again, they have that human element in life versus, and there are plenty of people in other businesses and agencies who are incredible at working with, you know, big fortune 500 companies who who, who are very good at being that corporate, like machine math, like operation systems person. But there's also another group of people who are really good at being people. So, and I think I'm pretty good at being a person. So um, yeah, I think that I'm, I'm very aware of the difference between corporate, um, corporate values and human values. And I like the human values. Me too. Me too, my friend. Um, well, Tack, this has been awesome, man. Uh, thanks again for coming on. And I just want to leave the listener with just any final thoughts from you as far as maybe like 
who would get the most benefit from, you know, talking to you? And then if so, like, where can they find you? For sure. So uh, I think just the, I guess to start off, yeah, uh, anyone can find me on LinkedIn. My name is right here, T-A-K space M-A-E-D-A, or you can go to brilliantbusiness.ca and just email me there. Uh, the person who, the p- type of people who can get the most value out of me is uh, founders or uh, or marketers on small social media teams, uh, B2B typically, but B2C works too. Um, but regardless of all that, I can help anyone. The most important part is that you want to, like you want to stand up, like you want to, if, if you want to stand up, oh, I got you. Like I will be the the, the lieutenant to your general and we can create an entire army of social media followers we can do that but if you don't want to well then i'm just a, a, a lone gunman fighting a war i can't win so um yeah anyone who's willing to stand out anyone who's willing to actually like be a tall poppy be the tall hammer uh, be the tall nail who wants yet like who is okay with being hammered like let me help you i think we can do a lot together and aside from that final notes yeah i think one of my friends asked me in the book, my book is 101 Principles of Chaotic Branding. And he asked me, which one's your favorite principle? And just without a doubt, I said, remember that you're going to die. So do what you want anyway. Um, or do 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 what you, yeah, do, just remember that you're going to die. Like, remember, like, I, like, tomorrow I could be gone. Tomorrow Brian could be gone. This podcast might live forever. It might not. But I think that one thing that is important about that is that like you own the only time you really have is the present moment. Like once again, the past is a memory, the future is a mirage. Like right now in this exact moment is all that you have. And if that was your last, if this was your last time saying what you're going to say, doing what you're going to do and living your life in the way that you want to live, is that, is that okay with you or would you have wanted more? So I'll leave you with that. It's a beautiful way to end it. All right. Thanks again, my friend. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for listening today. And if you have a moment, check out my website at reflectivewealth.com. Everything you need to know about my business is there. Because if there's one thing I've learned in my career, transparency and accountability are critical to a healthy financial services industry. Thanks and see you next time.